Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Once upon a time, not long ago, but way before the days I was known to flow, I was shown straight love in the beach, hugs from the freaks, even by the thugs with the heat. <laughs> now it seemed the whole damn hood just switched up. Used to put our fist up, see who lip get bust, hollering out the set as we sweat at the hutch. Come from out of bounds. Welcome to Believe in Vikings with B Mac and Baker. I am your host, Dustin Baker, here with Brian McKinney, who played for both the Purple's teams during his NFL career and finished off with the Miami Dolphins. Also got Sally from Minneapolis in the house. Ron Shaw, he's here. And Alex McLeady's joining us tonight. He was a guest a few months ago and he was fabulous. So we have him back. We're going to talk about uh, Quasi Adolfo Mensa, Kevin O'Connell, all the week's Vikings topics and so forth. It's the usual gig. But first, betonline.ag. The big game is finally here as we hit Super Sunday with the last game of the football season. Sigh. As always, Bet Online has you covered from odds, scores, totals, player performance. And props uh, like who's the next head coach to to be fired uh, for next year and such. Bet online is number one spot for all of your things betting in the NFL in 2022. And it's not just football. Bet online's basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC odds. All that coverage is the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, Bet Online is your number one online wagering def- destination. So head to Bet Online today. Or use your mobile device to sign up and receive 50% off a welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code BLEAV, believe, to get you started. The fastest and easiest way to wager in all your favorite sports and play your favorite games is betonline.ag. Bet online, where the game starts. Brian McKinney, so we, by some detective work, figured out you were oh, talking. we jump right into this. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, we're. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, it wasn't that, welcome, that, everybody. It wasn't, it wasn't that much yeah, like <laughs> I got to set the table for Good the listeners. Evening. Yeah. All right, so hello, listeners. Um, we, the group, <laughs> did some undercover uh, detective work and saw photo evidence of Brian McKinney talking to the Vikings' new general manager, and he didn't spill the details to us via text message. So he was going to reveal how that went down on the show. So that's why I jumped right into it, to set the table for our discussion. So, Brian, how did that go down? And tell us about it. Um, Tom West had reached out to me and um, a few other players, and they said the Vikings, they wanted the Vikings legends to get on a Zoom call and, um, you know, welcome the new GM. Um, and I, you know, I was all for it, and uh, we did, we did that. Um, what was that Monday? Monday, like around seven p.m., you know, Eastern, and uh, it was like an hour call, and you know, he he introduced himself and kind of gave his background. He's from Jersey. Shout out to New Jersey. Um, he's from my area in Jersey, South Jersey. But uh, how old is he? Because he looks young. Forty. Forty. Oh, okay. Oh, I thought he was thirty-eight. There was a big would, debate on this. I was thinking like late 30s. Okay, all right, so 40. Okay, um, Jared Allen, um, Sullivan, uh, Allen Page, a couple guys were on, on the call. Um, and he wanted people's um, expectation of what do people expect. You know, people were giving their opinion based on how they wanted the, the direction of the team to be. Um, like Ben Lieber was on the call. He says, you know, let's go back to when you had the purple people, purple people eaters and you had like a great D line. 
in like the secondary and everything else, you know, whatever. But the D line was like the thing. And then, you know, you had people like Jared Al mentioned, like having a, you know, a high power offense and making it exciting. Everybody was kind of giving their opinion. And then you had um, uh, another veteran. He said um, how he feels like that the NFL, like there's certain, there's uh, roles that guys, former players can play and they try to offer themselves. And they're like, oh no, we have somebody in that position. And it's like, it's not somebody who played before. And they feel like, well, you should probably start opening things up to, you know, former players and allow, allow them to have access, be more accessible and available to these players who will probably, you know, feel like, okay, they're a little more relatable than always going hiring somebody outside and, you know, things like that. So he was open. You know, the crazy thing is he was really open to basically hear what everybody had to say and introduce himself. And that was the importance of the call. And he was excited to have, you know, to be able to get on the call, say he would like to have done it earlier. But, you know, he had been super busy since he got there. But he definitely was, Um, he asked us questions. Like, it wasn't just us asking questions. He was asking us questions, you know, our opinion on things. And, you know, basically how they want to see the direction of, you know, the organization go and, like, what direction. So people asked a lot of Good what, question. Um, what did you ask him? We just talked about because, like, somebody mentioned me in, in of course, in the thing. I was being quiet, so we pretty much just talking about, like, you know, the direction. Of course, like, I'm gonna say offense, um, and you know, finding a quarterback and you know things like that. So, you want to get somebody who you feel like you can develop soon and. And be here for a while because I feel like we haven't really had that. So, you know, things like that and start building that way and get back to getting your big talked about offensive line, get it back and getting your big offensive line. And, and Jerry Allen actually was a big voice in that too. It said, you know, you try to get all these guys who are lighter offensive line and now I'm the heaviest 320 when on. He said, like when he played, the lightest would be like 315, 320. You know, he's like, you need to get back to the bigger guys where it's smash mouth football and you can just run the ball and punch people in the face and you don't have to worry about always throwing it down the field because you'll have somebody like Adrian Peterson. You have, you know, people like myself and Phil Oho who are bigger guys who can just smash you. You can run the ball. Like they were saying, take it and make the Vikings more of a blue collar, you know, bring your hat and your, and your you know, your bucket and be ready to work type of vibe now. And, and that's, we, I mean, we all kind of agree with that. Like it needs to be in your face, smash mouth, more of a type of a team and stop getting these guys. Jared even said, go back to get like a 300-pound tight end. But <laughs> <Klein's> <laughs> they, style. they said, you know, times have changed. They don't have that anymore. But Jared, uh, Jared also mentioned, like, Tony Richardson was on the call, too. He was like, we're having fullbacks. Like, they just were just saying making the guys tougher and, and, ha- and being a tougher team and having, you know, big offensive alignment, which I was definitely not against because you're not getting pushed around and being a little more aggressive. Now, Brian, I do want to jump in real quick before we get on more to the crazy part. Like you mentioned, like all these names that you're on the call with, and obviously you're a Super Bowl champ. What does it make or how does it feel um, knowing that when something like this happens, an organizational change, that they look to you kind of for advice or for your opinion and knowing that you left that that lasting impression on the organization as a whole? I was surprised a little bit. But I I mean, I've been in that organization, the, the Legends organization. You know, thanks to like Tracy McDonald and, you know, all those people, they've always, you know, made sure, I'm going to say a couple of years ago, like they welcome me back and make sure I come back and, and, um, you know, to let me know I was appreciated. I don't feel like 
I feel like while I was there, I don't know if it was a, I was appreciated. I feel like I was more appreciated when I left, and then you see other people come behind me, and I don't feel like they kind of filled the void that I left, like people expected. And I maybe it made people think like, okay, he probably was better than we thought or something. Because now you yeah. see other people come behind, and it's like, oh, okay, so coming back and then hearing fans just say like, we miss you. This another like, Oh. <laughs> I didn't know this, you know, I, I just didn't know, like, didn't really know how people felt. So, um, that, and then them asking me to be a part, because they had, we had a meeting here about three or four years ago for the Vikings legend, just having the Vikings organization was here for some kind of a meeting four years ago. And we, it took us out to dinner and like, it was different players who were in South Florida and we all had a dinner meeting about it. And then from there, they've always been pretty consistent, um, about events. I mean, I was coming up there a lot prior to COVID and, uh, doing like these uh, host like suites for like a quarter and things like that uh, for the Vikings. I'm gonna say like in like 2019, I was there a lot. Um, but it feels good. And then even the fact that he just, you know, Tom was just randomly reached out to me and says, Hey, I want you to be on the Zoom call that we have. Um, we're welcoming, you know, the new GM. And you know, we just called some guys up and we want them to be on the call to, you know, to welcome him. I was like, Okay, cool. So I thought we were just gonna welcome him. He's gonna, you know, give his speech. But then it turned into like an open form of ask me questions. Okay, I'm gonna ask you guys questions, and it became that. It's very when cool. I can I can tell you um, what how, why you feel that way. So when you were there on the Vikings, we you know most of us on 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 this show were reared in that era, and you were good. The offensive line was good. The offense ticked. It was fine. And then when you and Hutchinson retired, the offensive line has been poop in terms of pass protection ever since. So we look back and we're like, God, we look, what, look at what we had back then. And we spent 10 years trying to get a dude like you. And we might've found it in Darisol, but it's taken 10 years. And so right. that, it, th- that's the, what, that's why you feel that way. I mean, you weren't a big self promoter as an offensive lineman. Most of them aren't, um, but mm-hmm. you, you did your job and that offensive line was actually competent and good. And it protected the quarterback. And since you and Hutchinson, no good and nobody's been able to fix it it's it's criminal and that's so weird to me that it, why why should it take so long with <laughs> all these different drafts and all these free agencies and you're bringing the different people i don't understand why it took, takes so long to repair i don't understand why the shuffling of the offensive line which i, I hate um seeing people who's in a position and somebody gets hurt you move the right tackle to guard like i don't know why instead of moving the backup Whoever's backing him up, just move him up to the person yep. who's injured. Yeah. Did you guys game. talk about that? Did you tell him that? Or did no, that we didn't even get a chance to get into that. Oh. Everybody with each position would have wanted we to say, like, close. you know what I mean? Oh, so yeah. We, we were so close. We only had an hour call, so that was <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> did, did Was was the, the two words Kirk Cousins talked about on this call, or was it just theoretically about what to do at quarterback? They mentioned him a little bit. Um, not much. Um they, you know, just mentioned the type of like. Really, it was all about the type of team they wanted, um, okay. and they wanted and, and how they perceive the team um, being, and that was basically like more of a hard nosed, you know, just physical team. Okay, all I right. have an important question. Yeah, let's hear it. <laughs> Did he ask for Shelly's phone number? No. <laughs> he's admit. not gonna be, be uh bombarding her on a cruise and uh <laughs> yeah he's not gonna call shelly maybe you just need to pass that information along on the on hour two nah, <laughs> hey uh we didn't forget about you alex here thanks for joining yeah. again tonight um so 
I, I don't know your sentiment on Harbaugh mania. The most of us on this call warmed up to it over that infamous weekend. S- Sally was never completely on board. I don't think, but I think she started to accept. I it. warmed. Yes. Yeah. Except the inevitability <laughs> of what felt like was coming. And then it was a very Harbonian thing. It just fizzled out and it was all this big tease. Um, so now we have kind of a dude I think you've been wanting, which is a young offensive dude. That's from the, the gate tree. So run me through your initial thoughts and your week remove thoughts about Kevin O'Connell. Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited. Um, I've I always wanted to go the youth Ruth, uh, route. Um, you know, Harbaugh, you know, <laughs> he has been a winner in the league, but uh, it seems like everybody's going the youth route. And so I think, um, you know, it's, it's about time that the, the Vikings jump on board this movement. And then I when, when we talked to you last year, I think it was before the season started, you were – semi high on cousins. Now we've got another year under his belt, another playoff list season. Are you more in support of trading him for the rookie option that Bryant and them talked about on the call? Or do you want to build this thing around Kirk or what's your temperature now? Yeah. I mean, with, with O'Connell having that relationship with, with cousins, it seems like that's, that's what they want to do. Um, so, um, you know, he's on, he's on board with Kirk. Um, it would still be nice to, to draft, uh, uh, another quarterback, um, you know, this team at, at some point needs to, to draft a, a quarter, you know, a quarterback of the, of the future. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with them at least, you know, going with cousins and, and trying to, trying to lower his cap hit. We'll see if, you know, he, he says he, uh, or from reports, it's, it sounds like he's on board to at least trying to do that. We'll, we'll see if, you know, if he actually agrees to it. Um, and you know, he, he's going to want guaranteed money for that extension. So yeah, that's going to be interesting. Whenever we, yeah. whenever we get into that, that realm, like I always giggle. Cause I swear to God that Kirk himself would be like, yeah, we can, let's do it. We can do 8 million. That's fine. But it's his agent. That is like, no, no, we're doing guaranteed 35 million. Don't even like based on their personas. I'm convinced that Kirk would play for for pennies on the dollar. But But Brady figures it out. Brady's agent doesn't control his life, his purse strings. Yeah, no, I if I think that his wife might. (laughs) I think that might be the one way, although unlikely for most of our fans to rally around Kirk as if he did get in that. I mean, it sounds so strange that 25 million range, 20 million. I I don't see that happening, but even, but at the end of the season, he did say something to somebody that said, I want to be here. And that's a good starting point now in a utopia world. That sounds like, yeah, then he'll take a discount, but we just never see it from him. Um, Probably because he doesn't have that type of Brady security, nor does he deserve it that he can just go make money wherever he's got to grab this bag while he's, you know, a productive passer. Um, But yeah, and the thing that gets lost on this is I, I even though there are a lot of holes to fill on defense, there there is a pathway to be able to do both, lowering the cap hit for an extra year and then doing what the Chiefs did, you know, going with Alex Smith and then drafting a dude in the way. There is a way to do both, and I think we always get tied into this either or where it's like trade Cousins, extend him, he's the guy for five years, or you're going to go with a rookie who might suck. I think you can blend both worlds. I just it's t- it's tough to get a read on Quazy because he's brand new. Now to add to that too, Dustin, I think to your point um, where obviously we don't know what Cousins is thinking as far as the financial aspect of it, but it seems like like his 
uh, big issue in Washington was just he didn't have that long-term commitment. He never had it. It was year after year. Didn't know what the future holds. He got that here in his three-year 87 or 84, whatever it was initially, the 27th year. And then, you know, he got that added security. Now he's been here four years. So I... I'm under the impression just based on the kind of guy he is where I don't think financially is the top priority for him right now. He obviously has the generate the multi-generational money that, you know, he'll be fine. I think if you approach it to him as like with O'Connell being a guy with that, he's crossed paths paths with in the past, the, you know, come with a, like a 40 year, hundred million dollar deal, which obviously that that's absurd to any of us regular folk, um, you know, where it's like a hundred million dollars doesn't seem like a lot of money as a quarterback, but I fully believe that he, that would be something that he'd be like, you know what, assuming he does really like it here, which I think he does, you know, obviously he lives locally. Um, he's very much that Midwest guy. <clears throat> I can see if you do that, then you can have the best of both worlds because one, then he gets that long-term security, you know, by the, he'll be collecting his money until the age 37, 38, whatever it is. Um, that'll set him obviously well into retirement. He gets that long-term uh, stability. That is truly what he's looking for. He lays his roots. And then along the way, you can find that, um, that rookie, hopefully, like if even if it's taking a stab every year for the next four years in the second round, like or whatever, we'll see if this guy works out. Nope, keep going from there. So, um, I mean, maybe I'm a, a little optimistic on that, but Kirk doesn't seem like the type of guy that's you know, like what's coming out with Kyler Murray and stuff, where it's like he wants all the money right now. I think he's mature enough where he's like, I just want to play until I'm till I can't play anymore, you know, a la Philip Rivers type mold. So yes. uh, we'll see what happens. But um, I think if that were the case, I think a lot of those Kirk quote unquote haters, because I don't think anyone is disagreeing with his talent. It's purely financial. Um, I think they would come around and maybe you wouldn't hear as much arguing on Twitter. You probably still will, but uh, yeah. it won't be uh, as uh, vocal, I would think. Yeah, I think when I first met you, Ron, um, on the show, you said that that of course the financial and then the 2018 down the stretch when he collapsed personally and the team collapsed that first impression <clears throat> ruined everything for him because yep. he, he was getting that godforsaken 84 million guarantee that you know that's all we heard with mr 84 million and yep. when he could not deliver and i think it was the bears and the packers game it was like oh my goodness what do we do to ourselves and i think and he was never able to shake that and coming off, you know, the 13 and three year where, you know, Case Keenum yeah. led us to the NFC championship. <laughs> Everyone still had the, the, the heights that high. And it's like, we're only a quarterback away. Mm -hmm. And he was deemed to be that guy. So when he didn't make it happen, and I think what we finished nine and seven, was that when we lost the last game of, to the bears mm -hmm. um, and That's where we could. Yeah. So, um, and then, yeah, there's the scar in the you know, leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Right. So um, no matter what he did since then, all the comebacks that, you know, <laughs> where the other teams Cooper rush goes down and gets a touchdown or whatever. Um, yeah. To your point, he's never able to be able to shake that. And then it doesn't help when ESPN every time or any national game, it's he's owing whatever national games he's owing whatever. And uh, you know, against t teams uh, that end the season with a winning record, like stuff like that, where obviously, you know, pointing to the quarterback wins, um, uh, people out there, which are really quiet with uh, Matthew Stafford on the, this year. So. Yeah, I think uh, thankfully for Kirk's sake, if Daniel Jones continues to be the starter, that narrative pivot to him because he's having the same woes with the time time <laughs> stuff, and they're already starting it. So I'm like, ooh, little relief. Good luck, uh, Dave. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> so Sally, you've had a week as well. 
to decompress the O'Connell hiring. I'm sure you've watched some clips of him from the past or whatever. There was even a, a question to him at, at Super Bowl Radio Row or whatever it was that asked him if he owned a winter coat. And he said, yeah, I'm going to have to dust a couple of those off, which was a cool answer. So have you wor- have you warmed up even more so to Kevin? Uh, no, not necessarily. <laughs> I pretty much feel the exact same way. I mean, you know how I am. I'm a show me, show me kind of gal, so I'm probably going to feel pretty even killed about it until week one or so but the but, i mean the promise I, I, of the promise of youth, the promise of youth between the gm and the coach that's exciting or just still gotta um, wait to see if it works yeah it's exciting but i mean yeah I, you just gotta wait and see i mean i think young guys can be successful old guys could potentially be successful i think you just gotta see what you have. I don't feel like we know a ton about these guys individually and we know nothing about them uh, working together, you know, so I just got to wait and see. I'm not getting my hopes too high or too low on anybody per usual. <laughs> hey, Bryant. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's exciting that we're in a new dawn of a new age. Yes. I mean, the combined youth between the two, the big leaders is, is an incredible pendulum swing and It'll, like I said, when it's come September, it'll it'll feel different, um, at, at least in terms of leadership. So, Bryant, the the coach is 36 years old. It's Kevin O'Connell, and it seems that some of the guys that he'll pull over from his connections and Rams and Commanders teams will be younger guys, with the exception of maybe a defensive coordinator. Do you think it is wise for a young coach to surround himself with like seasoned veteran coaches that have been doing this for 20 years? Or do you think that it should be a full youth mo- movement with the coaching staff? Well, if you plan on having this coach for a while, it could be, a, it's okay to have a full youthful um, staff. I mean, I will probably want to have maybe at least one or two veterans though, but I mean, for all of them, it'd probably be like a learning curve. Um, and you can just kind of, I guess, you know, grow as a staff. Uh, but I feel like they'll probably be able to relate better uh, to this, you know, younger and new generation um, and not be such a, a big gap, you know, in between because that the older generation um, is used to coaching different type of players. These, these guys are a little different as far as, you know, just sensitivity, just different even the way they practice and stuff. So um, it'll probably be good to, you know, I feel like a fresh start for them to have somebody that's, you know, closer and more, a little more relatable. I'm going to guess during your playing career that you were very coachable and not headstrong. Um, did you connect more with coaches that were younger or didn't it really matter to you? Um, I, like, you know, you had, you had respect for the coaches who were older because you knew they'd done that for a while. But then you also had coaches like Mario Cristobal, who was my GA who he, I can relate to him a little bit more. So that's why I would sit and have those extra meetings with him because we I, it was easy to relate to him. Like I feel like I could open up and say things to him. You know what I'm saying? And um, that was probably like a little different connection just because of he was probably, what, nine years older than me or, or whatever that is. So it was a little different compared to somebody else who might be like, you know, 20 years older than me. Yeah. Yeah, because you have the same communication style. So, right. yeah. Hey, Alex, the, the coaching staff, just to the breadcrumbs that, that we're seeing, it seems like O'Connell will pull 
uh, dudes from his other connections that are younger. The one that I have been hoping would be older would be defensive coordinator because if he's like the rest of this this young mold, he doesn't know shit about defense, and that concerns me because I have trauma from when I came up watching the Vikings <laughs> of just dudes that don't tackle, and then a football team that's great on offense that you know draws fans in but then meltdown on defense. And I hate that. That's why I like Zimmer so much, believe it or not. Um, so do you, like, would you prefer like the Fangio or Donatel or a guy who's done this for 20 years defensively? Or are you cool with that uh, Aubrey Pleasant type where it would just be another young dude on defense and then that guy would grow? Yeah, I mean, it seems like now with the uh, Donatel uh, um, news that just came out, it seems like he's following the McVeigh playbook because um, uh, McVeigh had Wade Phillips uh, yeah. when he first started. <laughs> yeah, so it seems like he's he's following the same footsteps. But the the Aubrey Pleasant guy looks, you know, um, you know, seems very impressive from the quotes the last year. From what I am about to say might shock you, but the greatest quarterback of all time is not just a goat on the field; he's a goat when it comes to investing as well. He invests in stocks, crypto, and even art. Now you can invest like the GOAT with Masterworks. Masterworks is the investing platform that lets you buy shares representing investment in art icons like Picasso, Monet, and Warhol. Art prices actually outpaced the S&P 500 by 164% from 1992 to 2021. In fact, early investors already received their over 30% IRR in 2020 and uh, 2021 from the sale of two paintings. This is your opportunity to join 300,000 other members and invest like the GOAT. Plus, you get priority access with our game day promo. Go to masterworks.art slash bleav, B-L-E-A-V. That's masterworks.art slash B-L-E-A-V. See important disclosures of Masterworks and the um, on the site there. But yes, head to Masterworks and get in on all that investment. Oh, thank you. Awesome again. Well, I'll go ahead and just answer your question. So um, I could go either way on it. Um, you know, obviously the benefits of bringing in someone who's been there, done that, um, and has had the years of experience, like whether it's uh, Wink Martindale, but I think he is going somewhere else at this point, but um, Fangio, those type of guys, they obviously have the pedigree um, and respect around the league. So that on one hand would be great because then you have some stability. You can mix that in. Uh, But then on the flip side, again, I look back to 2006 when Mike Tomlin came in and instantly I was sold on him. Um, So I can, I see a lot of that with, uh, with potentially with pleasant you watch, there's that clip that's going around where, you know, with Jeff Okuda, where he's kind of ripping into him, but then, you know, like, like very much like a, a father son type relationship where, you know, he's telling him, Hey, this is what you did wrong. Like kind of don't give me attitude, but then afterwards, like consoling him, like, you know what, like we're obviously in this together. So um, I think there's benefits both ways. Um, obviously you'll ne- same with, with Kevin O'Connell, you'll never know what you have until you have it. Um, and he's in that position. Um, and then I look at, um, you know, again, not to get dolphins uh, fan line here, but you look at their coach and how, the way he presents himself, like obviously these guys get their opportunities and you want them to succeed. But I don't think that the old guy versus young guy, you know, that really that matters in today's day and age, as long as you can grasp the talent on your team. And I, in a way, those younger guys trend towards that because they're closer to age. They know the social media side of things or just how the world operates from the player standpoint these days, they can, pull into that a little bit more in their guidance of that. 
Yeah, the only reason that I would lean towards preferring uh, the Donatello or Fangio type, especially Fangio, but I don't even think he's in the mix, is because unless there is a full-scale rebuild, the only defensive players that we can guarantee to be back are Harrison Smith, Eric Kendricks, Cameron Dantzler. The rest, probably Dalvin Tomlinson. And then the rest is depends on what they do in the draft and free agency. And I, I know I, I would just prefer a veteran coach to work with the peanuts of a depth chart that we know about right now. Now, like you said about Tomlin, that could change my mind here in a matter of minutes because uh, I'll be damned if you're not right on that. Um, it makes me feel better about the, the the pleasant possibility, but I also saw he's interviewing elsewhere today, so that's not quite a slam dunk. But there's been like three or four front runners for defensive coordinators already, and so I'm I'm I'm, I'm sick of seeing that. So I'm just going to wait until the dudes. I'm taking the Sally approach. I'm I'm done with the the here yeah. <laughs> Just show <laughs> me the dude. Even, all, exactly. All is, yep. The best all that will be up in the air until O'Connell's officially yeah. named. <sighs> like it's like that's the thing they're all speculating. You hear people. I'm hearing this is the the guy. This is the guy. It's like yeah, it was you don't Mike know Patton. that because yeah, O'Connell can't talk to anyone right now about it. Like or at least officially. <laughs> so, um, or I hope he's not talking to anyone about it. I hope he's concentrating on the Super Bowl yeah, when, that he has at hand. So. <laughs> when Laka Ora said Patton, I think everybody freaked out. Like after seeing him. Oh God. <laughs> Yeah, he uh, he was. I, I'm not kidding. I'm, I think there's been three front runners, and it was Petten, and and that was from was that Jason Lacanfora tweet, and yeah. then and then it was Pleasant, like that sort. There was one actually says sources tell me that's close to a done deal, and then uh, today it's Donatel, and so uh, I kid you not, I, I just took Sally's brain for a day, and I'm like, all right, this this <laughs> this is enough enough because especially from writing about for writing about it for me for Vikings territory, I'm like, okay, this will be the third time I've said presumptive front runner. I'm not gonna look like a wishy washy tool here. Uh, well, it's just so exhausting because I think that this has been like a longer process, obviously, than I think anyone anticipated being that they're going to go with the guy that's going to be in the Super Bowl. So there's just been weeks and weeks to speculate about <laughs> all of this, whereas I think we probably when Zimmer first left, we probably thought two weeks max we'd have this figured out. And so it's just exhausting. Like, I can't even keep all the names straight anymore. And yeah, so I'm a little tuned out until something is official. And it doesn't help <laughs> if, if, if you care about this sphere. It doesn't help that we're the only team in this boat. So you're seeing all the other teams flying off the board because they got their, you know, Dables already assembled his staff. And then you have here us, the little engine that could, that's, you know, just waiting for the guy to get done with the goddamn Super Bowl. And, you know, right. and it's so silly because we should be uh, lifting that up to the high heaven saying, well, we got the Super Bowl, dude. But instead it's like, come on, we want to know who it is. Um, yeah. Sally, what about these dudes that as soon as the O'Connell news hit, basically when we got off air last week from the coaching staff that are just gone? Like uh, Jonico, um, the quarterbacks coach, uh, Carl Scott, he went somewhere. Uh, we already knew about Clint Kubiak, but nobody shed tears. And <laughs> there was about two other. Was it Ficken? Yeah, there was, and, and yeah. Uh, Rousher, Dennison. Right. Yeah, it, they basically got the word that O'Connell was the presumptive head coach, and then they just. Well, isn't that to be expected? I mean, I didn't really think that that was a surprise because how did. How, they can't just assume that they're going to be added to the new staff, right? I mean, I think that they have to pursue other opportunities if they present themselves. Um, but it was a but, lot of young guys that have been here for a while, like especially the quarterbacks coach. He was kind of Stefanski, and yeah, but how do they know that O'Connell or that O'Connell would keep them? 
Well, they don't. Then I don't. They probably knew that they had zero relationship with them. And then once, right. but I, there was some sort of cause and effect because it was the moment he was hired. The next morning, three of our dudes like confirmed we're elsewhere. So I mean, not that O'Connell's like you know a bastard to work with. It was just that they got their marching orders when they figured out it wasn't going to be so and so. Maybe maybe Harbaugh. I don't know. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't think we'll really miss those guys. No offense. I mean, I know like Stefanski, for example, you brought him up. He was around for, for 10 years. And so Mm -hmm. I guess I don't really know enough. Maybe that's a good question for Brian. I don't really know how all of that stuff works out. Like when you're a new head coach and you come in, do you just kind of have your pick of pick and choose who you want to keep if, if they have stayed around or do you have the option of bringing in complete new positions coaches across the board if you want to? So, I mean, it seems like it could go either way. So I don't know. Option. I think they have the option. They can bring in whoever they want. And then if there's somebody there that they already had their eye on, who probably was there already, they can keep them. But yeah, they, the head coach can bring in a whole new staff or they already have, like I said, a relationship with somebody. They can keep, you know, a couple people who they already have a relationship with. Does, does the new coach have to go around and tell the old coaches sayonara, or does ownership do that? Um, that's probably ownership. Okay. Um, I feel like there's a, there's, a, there's a discussion between the, the new coach and ownership on his plan and who does he see fitting in, you know, what direction he wants to go. So if the new coach plans on bringing new people in, then I'm pretty sure then he's like, well, you can let them go, you know, because that's really not his job because that's not his – yeah, he didn't hire them. You know what I'm saying? So it's probably up to the ownership to like kind of you know let them know. Does they'll probably bring it to people? Do you know of circumstances where ownership tells a, a new coach like, "Well, we're going to keep Keenan McCardell and we're keeping Patterson." Like, do, does does ownership have any sway that says like you can bring in everyone? Like I've seen them. some people between the Coach Tice era and then Branches came. I believe there was somebody. There were some people who stayed. Like mm-hmm. everybody didn't leave. Whether it was a strong coach, just something, it was something. Somebody was there between, between that, or maybe it was. I don't know. I've seen somebody stay between coaches. I don't know how that worked, but people okay. have stayed. Yeah. Is there an advantage that you see either way where like, obviously a head coach comes in, if he brings his own guys, obviously he would in theory, trust every one of those guys to kind of do things the way that he wants. Whereas the other side of the coin is if you keep some of those holdovers, those holdovers might have relationships already with the players that are going to be returning. And that might help that side of it. Is there a benefit or a disadvantage um, either way? Not really. because It all depends on the system that the new coach is bringing in. And if those, you know, other coaches want to be a part of it or used to it, everything, because it's all about everybody getting along and understanding the system. I'm going to interrupt for just a second and talk about NordVPN, N-O-R-D. What's more important than peace of mind? Nothing. And that's what NordVPN is here for, to give you peace of mind while you're online. And with all of these threats that are out there that you face today on the internet, it's more important than ever to be sure that you have the best VPN you can get. NordVPN is the world's best VPN service, offering fast connectivity, most servers, and next-gen encryption to make sure that everything you do online stays secure. Plus, you can use NordVPN on all of your computers and devices, no matter the operating system. With NordVPN's unlimited bandwidth, you never have to worry about a slow connection either, and plans start at under $400 per month. 
So grab at your exclusive NordVPN deal by using nordvpn.com slash believe or use the code B-L-E-A-V. That's believe to get up to 70% off your NordVPN plan plus one additional month for free. It's also risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Nord VPN. Sally, um, tell me about your Super Bowl plans. You know, I'm, I'm kind of uh, keeping it easy this year. I'm not doing anything too crazy. Just hanging out with a few friends, including the famous Nick Breezy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, having some snacks and some drinks and uh, some good company. And- I'm really excited about the game. This is, I think, the first game in as long as I can remember where... I don't have a team that I kind of dislike or I'm rooting against in the Super Bowl. It's more so I really enjoy both teams. So I think it's I think a lot of people feel that way. So it's going to be, you know, pretty exciting. So you got the underdog connection kind of to the Bengals and you've got the Stafford plan come to fruition angle. So either way, you're happy. Is that basically how we're going? Either way, I would definitely be happy. Um, But I think we kind of touched on this last week. I think the Bengals door is really just opening. I think that they're going to be good for a long time. We talked about how their division, which this year going in, we kind of thought it was going to be one of the toughest ones. um, And now it's kind of on the decline. So Mm -hmm. I think that the door is wide open for them and they're going to definitely get another opportunity. Whereas the Rams, you know, they're all in on this and, um, they're most likely not going to get another chance. I wouldn't assume. So I would, I would like to see a lot of those veterans um, walk away with a ring. Yeah. That's the, that's the comeuppance for this plan of trading first rounders, like, you know, Skittles every, every single year is that at some point you're going to look at your roster and you're not going to have any minor leagues to go call upon. And then you're going to figure out if McVay is really, really, you know, everything that he says he is, because he's going to have to win with a roster that doesn't have oodles of young dudes that other teams will have because nobody else does this strategy. Nobody in sports does this. So Mm -hmm. that that's, that's when the comeuppance will happen. And plus Stafford's going to probably win a Super Bowl this Sunday. And then his, his pocketbook will get bigger when his deals up. Cause right now he has a teensy deal compared to what uh, elite quarterbacks get because he signed it. What three, four five years ago when, when 25 million was a lot. It's kind of wild. Alex, tell us about your Super Bowl plans this Sunday. Yeah, I'll probably uh, be uh, hanging at my uh, my dad's place with, yeah. with a bunch of family. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Like like Sally said, uh, you know, it's the first Super Bowl in a while where you, <laughs> you don't dislike either team. And, uh, <laughs> uh, I always kind of root for the underdog to begin with. And so, you know, Joe Burrow's story is just fascinating how, you know, I mean, he was at Ohio State, a backup, and, and then, you know, transferred to to LSU and then you know one of Nat Natty with uh with JJ and uh Chase and uh now he's with uh with Chase in, in Cincinnati and so it'd be fun to fun to see him win uh you know he's won a Heisman and a national uh tro- you know na- national title and then to win a Super Bowl too I think he'd be the first person to ever do that so um yeah I'm I'm really looking forward to this game and you know watching that Chase first probably Jalen Ramsey matchups could be fascinating too and see if uh you know, see if T Higgins can have another big game and, and step up if, uh, if Ramsey shuts down uh, chase. So yeah, really looking forward to it. Ron, tell me about your family Super Bowl tradition, if any. Well, usually we will get together with, you know, a group of friends, um, whatnot, like all the kids and whatnot. Well, like we do on typically every Sunday anyways, but, uh, but this year just with, 
whether it's people out of town or, you know, like COVID and like we actually had it last week, our entire household. So, um, but, uh, you know, so I think we're just going to take it easy, maybe get together with my wife's family. Um, that's pretty much about it. Um, it does suck with, the the two, two and under because, um, naps bedtimes um <laughs> do throw a especially with the the 10 month old it definitely throws a wrench if he's uh if he gets tired but uh um i mean we'll figure it out we'll make it work um so nothing nothing too big this year but uh but next year hopefully it will be a, a rebound year because the last two have been uh um have kind of been the same like all right we got to be a little little cautious Bryant, blow us out of the water with your Super Bowl plans. What are you doing down in South Florida? Actually hosting a, a um, watch party here. There in, we uh, go. Winwood area. Give us the so guest list. Correct it. I'm not sure I just got the flyer today, so I just actually just posted in my story just now. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, I mean, is this going to be hurricanes or is this Serena? What, what crowd are we with? It'll probably be a combination of both. I'm not sure. I got to see if Serena be in town. She may actually be in LA. Um, so I'm, I'm gonna see who's all here because it, it just got confirmed today, and I just actually posted while we were here on um, doing the show. <laughs> Do you care who wins the game? Um, you know, I seen the little Simpsons thing, and they for some I don't know are these Simpsons things like for real? Because mm-hmm. it, I already have a Simpsons thing where it shows that the Bengals win. Uh, 34 31 playing, i think they had it they were playing the rams yeah it was a three-point what are, game what is this but these simpson things have not been wrong but i've seen it i've seen it early this time somebody like showed it yeah up. it's and one I'm of those like, like you know there's always those random like where if you look back years ago simpsons episodes where they predict something when, when have all these games and stuff been on the simpsons? yeah like, like well they, like they always do like random stuff like that but even like whether it was like, the trump presidency or like you know right. like, all this type of stuff it's like like the Simpsons predicted it from years ago. And, uh, um, and yeah, I saw that screenshot this week that was like 34, 31, I think Cincinnati. Um, My theory on that is since that show has been on since like 1990 and has like 20 episodes per season, like they have to cover everything known to to man. And then therefore they're even going to get to the Bengals winning the Super Bowl or a Trump elected president. That's but even like with that, like, yeah, it's still um, weird. Like, you know, yes, it's been on for 30 years, but how long were the Rams in, uh, in St. Louis for? So, um, you know, just if, if I, again, I don't know when it was made, when it was, um, you know, put on air, but unless it was within the past couple of years, like they were in St. Louis before that. So it is just weird how random uh, that stuff happens. You know, what's funny is one of my friends, um, David Silverman, he's one of the creators of the Simpsons and I've been out there to LA to the studio and everything. And and this was right after, um, the Falcons, the Falcons and the Patriots game. And I was like, Dave, I got a question because I'm I'm getting nervous now. Like, if I ask you this question, I'm going to come up missing. How do y'all know all these answers? He never really answered me. He just, like, laughed it off, though. But I don't know. It's so weird. Like, all these, all of a sudden, you just see these sense and things come up after the stuff, like, things happening. Yeah, I, I've thought that too, Brian. I kid you not, because I see so many of them that my brain has led me to believe they're doctored for the post or the tweet. I don't have any evidence of that, um, but you see them so frequently that you're like, okay, well, somebody's generating these memes 
like with the Simpsons stuff. Right. Yeah. That's what I, that's, that's what I would say. You know, if a Snopes dug into it and tried to be, you know, PolitiFact tried to figure out if, if it was real or not, I have a feeling that they'd say, no, big X, the big red X says that, no, this was doctored up by, by John in his basement in Ohio or something like that. <laughs> okay. That's my theory. Um, my Super Bowl tradition. So I, in the 2017 season, I was invited over to like uh, one of my friends that would normally invite us over to the Super Bowl. But I was so um, hoodwinked into believing that the Vikings would be in the Super Bowl that I declined and said, there's no way. I don't watch Vikings games with when I'm at home with other people because I turn into a different human. Like I get real, like act like a three-year-old when things are going bad. And then I act like a, a fanboy when things are going great. And that's not who my personality usually is. So I watch Vikings games with my wife and kids and that only. And because I would, that would be supersized if the Vikings ever get to the Super Bowl in our lives, um, I set a precedent evidently that Dustin doesn't go to Super Bowl other people's houses because nobody invites me anymore. And um, I'm, I'm okay with that because my wife is a phenomenal cook. So she makes the wings and the pizza up and then we just watch it as a family. And now that my son's getting more into football over these past, I mean, it's been around his orbit forever but he's five in the last two years, he's become a Viking fan because it's by osmosis. And so this will be four hours of him asking me why the purple team isn't in it. And I got, just got to do some bullshit about, well, no, they're going to be in it next year. You, you know, I have to do that, give that spiel because, you know, I can't let, can't let it, let him down. Although he should probably get used to the feeling, huh? All right, Sally, yeah, what do you, what do you got for the group tonight? What's your segment? Well, you know, the Super Bowl is this week, as mm-hmm. we just talked about. I'm just wondering um, if you guys can share what are some of your um, favorite past Super Bowls um, that you that you think about that most entertaining, most disappointing, just which ones come to mind when you think about the Super Bowl? Well, we know Brian's answer, so let's start with Ron. <laughs> <laughs> I actually... Um... That I, that is one that comes to mind, and a lot of it has to do with the the way that it was at halftime and the lights going out. Like so, that's yeah. always one that sticks in my mind. And also because, no offense, Brian, but because Randy was on the other sideline, and that's who I grew up, uh, you know, enjoying football for. I, uh, granted, I was wearing my Ray Lewis jersey at, during the game, so I will say that. Like, but secretly, I wanted Randy to get a ring. So, um, but now, now that I, I know, you, not against us. <laughs> yeah, now, now that I know you now. Now I can say, you know what, like I'm happy, uh, you know, that Brian McKinney won because the Super Bowl champion, uh, you know, I get a talk to every week. So, um, but that, how, that long be one. Were, how long were those lights out for? Cause I, it seemed like a really long time. It was about 30 minutes, 30 minutes. It, it was a long time. Yeah. It was that Beyonce halftime. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So th- that obviously is one, yeah, that, that one comes to mind. And then, um, I mean, I guess I'll, I'll stick with that one. Cause it like, Again, the, just the, the chain of events that happened, it was one that just stuck with me. Alex, what do you got? Good, sir. Yeah, uh, I would say the, the Patriots-Seattle game was just crazy. Oh, yeah. you know, how, it en- how it ended with you know, the Butler <laughs> picking off Russ at the end. You know, Everybody thought that one was over, um, so that one really uh, you know, stood out for me for sure. Um, and then one more. Uh, would definitely, um, you know, seen Payne Manning get a get a Super Bowl ring in his last last chance with Denver against uh, Carolina. I thought that was pretty cool. The unsung thing about those that Patriots win in that Patriots team is they were a dynastic franchise, but they went ten years without winning a Super Bowl, and it never really felt that way because they were always in the mix. Yet they didn't feel like chokers during that decade. 
but we kept calling them a dynasty, but boom, 10 years went by and they didn't win a Super Bowl. So all of a sudden they started winning them again for who knows why. And then they were back on that dynastic path. And that's what I always remember because every year the Patriots would be in it and then they'd find a way to lose to the Ravens um, or the Colts or the Giants of, uh, of all teams. Um, my first Super Bowl I remember watching was the Niners absolutely obliterate the Broncos in 1989, 55 to 10. And I remember um, that's what got me into football. I remember being at somebody's Super Bowl party as a five-year-old. And then that was an era of 49ers and 49ers only in terms of how the world looked at football. It was all Joe Montana and Rice, who I consider the best football player uh, of all time based on how, how long he played. Although Brady should probably revise my opinion there. My funny Super Bowl story is, uh, well, I've, I've told folks on the show before that I'm a recovered alcoholic and um, I used to drink every night to the point of blacking out. And one of my dirty little secrets about NFL fandom is that when the Vikings are out, I always cheer for the Patriots and Brady because of how cool he was when he came up. And that year I got super into Moss being on the team and undefeated. And I had the day off and I started drinking in the morning, which was completely normal for a day off for me. And uh, I was all excited to watch that Super Bowl and Moss get his ring. And then I, uh, I took a nap and I woke up and Super Bowl was over because my drunk ass slept through it. And I woke up, I woke up to the David Tyree catch and just drunk and discombobulated thinking, well, when the hell did that happen? You know, I got a Super Bowl to watch and I missed the entire Super Bowl that uh, had the infamous David Tyree catch. And then one more for the road, the most entertaining Super Bowl that you know I was inspired by in terms of just awestruck was the Steelers and Cardinals. I remember just thinking, holy cow, this is a heavyweight fight. And um, I didn't really have any skin in the game. It was cool to cheer for Tomlin, but he wasn't quite a legend yet. It was just kind of like this Vikings one that got away. But that was, to me, uh, the, the, the most entertaining of my lifetime. Ron, what's, what's yours? I had already yeah. Uh, yeah, touched on mine with... Oh, uh, my bad. Oh, yeah. Besides, yeah. Nope, nope. Right, besides my own... Um, <laughs> oh, that's we, that's uh, a flex. When I got to, <laughs> when I got to watch um, early, the early 2000, maybe 2002 or 2003... Um, it was the Rams versus the Titans. And you remember yeah, the very end? Was, like, Mike Jones, short. Kevin Dyson. Yeah, the yard short. That was like very, that was a good game. It was very like, yeah. The yard short. Like, it, it's like, dang. Yeah. 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 That was mine. That was 2000. That's what I was going to say. That was the one? Yeah. Because obviously it was so dramatic how it mm -hmm. ended, but we also had an ice storm in Virginia. And so the power went out in the fourth quarter. <laughs> and so it was obviously already such a good game. It was so close. And so somehow we had this like little handheld TV that was like one inch oh, by yeah. like two inches oh, and it was yeah. black and white. Those were excellent. Yeah. And so we're all sitting there like watching it, like four of us watching it on this tiny little TV. And so it was even more unbelievable to see it like this big in black and white that he didn't get mm. in. Like it yeah. was crazy. So that just really sticks out in my mind for sure. I remember my takeaway from that greatest show on turf Super Bowl was the Monday after at school, trying to explain to people who don't know football when they were trying to tell me he got in, it's like, he stretched and it's like, no, that's not how it works. And they're like, but I saw it. He, the ball got over the goal line. I remember telling morons like that. No, there's no controversy there whatsoever. <laughs> uh, Brian, but that was humble of you, sir. 
Um, I need a little bit more about the Super Bowl, the moment. Like I know what we've heard from Ray Lewis as the inspirational turn your phones off type of dude, but uh, like leading up to the day and stuff, did you have butterflies um, or was it business as usual? Tell us a little bit about the Super Bowl. It was a little, it, it was a little nervous because like, especially like me and Ed Reed, we kind of talk like this year 11 is our first one. <laughs> um, not sure how many more years we had left um to try to get to it like this is the closest we've ever been so yeah and then somebody also mentioned too you know when kickoff look around you'll see like a million lights little flashes going off too um and you really want to really try to play your best but you try to still stay in your routine it was a lot but yeah after the initial contact then you kind of you know you kind of get back into the swing of things but leading up to it it's a little nervous and then um Halftime was longer too, so you know halftime normally like eleven minutes, but there was like thirty. So you're you're used to your game time, your adjustments, and then we still had like twenty minutes. But like you said, like a lot of time, like just sit there, and that's what kind of made it probably worse for us on offense because we went in at halftime for a thirty minute break. We came out, Jacoby ran the kickoff back, mm-hmm. and the defense was on the field. And that they had drove them to like the middle of the field before the lights went out. So that's a long time. That's over an hour of us not even doing anything. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. 30 yeah. minutes at halftime. And then however long it took them, you know, for the defense, you know, to the ball got ran back, then the defense was out there. So however long the defense was out there, they were driving. And then for the power to go out. So then that was like over an hour for us doing nothing. <laughs> so like that's that was where it kind of got like, you know, a little out of rhythm, a little bit, you know? And with that, like, so, again, like, when you, like, an offensive line, obviously, like, it's probably a little different than those guys who are, you know, the wide receivers and stuff that, you know, they get their second win and then they're ready to go. But, like, you know, obviously, just any human being, like, you have that long of a halftime. Like, how do you go about, like, just replenishing, like, you know, because my ass would get hungry at some point and be like, like, you know, like, be that long of a break, like, what the hell, like, are you? Do you eat during halftime for that? Like waiting no, that long? Or? No, you don't. You don't have some, but <laughs> just mentally, it's a lot that goes on because you are so focused. You know, you're trying to remain focused the whole time, and then all of a sudden, you're unsure of how this is going to play out. Like, okay, so now what? Because you know, the first 15 minutes, they're like, we'll let you know what's going on. And then I remember it being like a 10 minute mark, and they're like, everybody starts to stretch. I like to be back on the 10 minutes, you know, warm up, move around. You start to see people stretching and jogging and doing things to try to warm back up. But just sitting there for a minute, like, not sure what's going on. I'm like, I'm going to play this game tomorrow. Like, finish this tomorrow because <laughs> then it's like, well, what type of move, you know, or momentum. It was just a lot of thinking. And then it's like, okay, now we're back. And then you have to, like, mentally got to, like, restart yourself mentally and get back focused. But for a minute, you're like, your mind's all over the place. So that was a, <laughs> that was a big distraction. <laughs> now, how does the Super Bowl then compare to like when you won your national championship, like as far as the nerves leading up to both of those events. Now I, I asked that because Joe Burrow, like Alex mentioned earlier, um, you know, has the national championship. He was a Heisman winner and now he's in the Super Bowl. Are you able to play off of some of that, um, that experience in those big moments or is it a completely different animal? I think in the college is totally different. I mean, the guys who was who are my teammates, you just we all just feel like we had just back. Yeah, I don't know for some reason that was just different. Like we went in expecting to win, 
where in the NFL, <laughs> you know, they, we had like some good guys, like especially on the defense, you know, you had um, Alden Smith and Justin Smith. They were lined up across from me. So they were really good, um, you know, players. So it just, you know, everybody was kind of like big name guys. They had a good defense. Here you had Patrick Willis. So it was just basically whoever was going to line up and have a good day that day. You know what I'm saying? And you just had to be the best at your position that day. And then also, like, you know, sorry to bombard this, but you played in the, like, with the Harbaugh Bowl. Like, was there any added? Um, obviously, I'm sure for each of the brothers, there was that added pressure of, hey, I want to go out and beat the brother. But did, did that come down to you guys as far as well as, like, we're, we got to do this for John so he can uh, get the you know, upper hand on his had, big brother? Yeah, because, you know, he, he, wanted to, he didn't want to lose his brother. And um, you, we had, you know, their parents, they used to be to the games too. And that this game, the parents had to kind of split. Like, I think one of the parents was one, one was with the other. But what's funny is the year before, on Thanksgiving Day, we played them in Baltimore. So this was our second time playing them again. And it's just a year later and now in a higher state game, which was the Super Bowl. Um, so we know we beat them last year. We were like, we didn't want, you know, in the Super Bowl for them to now try to come back for revenge and beat us too. So that was another added thing. And then I just knew. We wanted to send Ray Lewis out, you know, in confetti because that's what he talked about all year. So it was like a lot of things on our end too that we were trying to live up to. Well, the the last thing to get off air, uh, I wanted to tell the group about in person, so to speak, was uh, a week ago after the show, I I sent an email to our producers that believe offhandedly. Um, I saw that one of our our counterparts from Zone Coverage got to go to the Super Bowl, and I said, "Where the hell?" where the hell is our Super Bowl credentials? And he's like, oh, you're going to Los Angeles? And I was like, no. And he's like, oh, if you were off, I could get you that. Oh, well, I could fly out tomorrow. And actually- yeah, so <laughs> I think I think now we have a year to plan it. And um, he wasn't bullshitting. Uh, we could conceivably do something like that uh, to do the Radio Row thing. So put that is it back in Vegas here. next year? Uh, Phoenix. Oh, okay. Yep, but, yeah. But yeah, yeah, I said it. And he was like, yeah, just he's like, I could do that. And I'm like, well, nobody said anything, so. All right. Uh, all right, Alex, thanks for joining us, sir. Um, we'll yeah. have you back on sooner next time. Um, and then maybe we can do around the draft or something like that. Yeah, I'm in De- definitely for sure. Yeah. Love draft time. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have Sally do some mock drafts on air. <laughs> I'll just make Jordan do mine. <laughs> there you go. Well, yeah, then I we'll... hope Jordan still has time for us. Jeez. Yeah, we'll, we'll be humbled if it's him making the picks. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All, all right. right. Bye, guys. Have a good Super got. Bowl. Yep, cool, Every baby. Good one. Later. Stay tuned to Instagram. It's about to be the next century. It ain't about life without penitentiaries. It get to be a damn shame at times. Knowing we the strongest when Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.